I'm making strawberry shortcake, right? There's nothing wrong with strawberry shortcake. It's a perfect dessert. But we can play with the elements a little. But it's about layering flavor and taking something that's keeping it looking and eating simple, but challenging people a little in terms of like the flavor profiles. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. If you've checked out Instagram lately, and chances are you have, you've probably spotted one of Hannah Ziskin's slab pies, princess cakes, and fruit custard tarts making the algorithm rounds. Hannah is the co-owner and pastry chef of Echo Park's Quarter Sheets Pizza in Los Angeles, California. She runs Quarter Sheets with her partner, Aaron Lindell. And on this episode, we talk about the unlikely marriage of pan pizza and sheet cake. We also find out what it's like running one of LA's buzziest restaurants and how she gets it all done with such a tiny staff. Get to know this rising star in food. Hannah Ziskin, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you here. We were just off mic talking about Chicago, I'm sorry, Detroit pizza. I had Chicago pizza in my mind, but I think Detroit pizza is a superior. Don't you agree? I do agree. <laughs> um, I kind of like it sometimes. Aaron hates it. Yeah. Your partner, Aaron, last name? Lindell. Lindell, right. Aaron Lindell, not here. We're going to have him on a future episode because I know you are a pair at Quarter Sheets in Los Angeles. We've written about you several times. Um, We did a cool, Emily Wilson did a cool profile of you on taste. So thank you for coming in. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Yo, so, it feels so official. I've only ever done Zoom interviews. I know, right? Now it's there's like, a mic. You actually wow. have, we can go face to face. I want to <laughs> start by asking you about your time on the East Coast, because you guys uh, open quarter sheets like a proper, proper spot, and we'll get into the opening of a brick and mortar versus a pop-up. But we, uh, but you've been kind of on vacation, which is cool. Like, you deserve a vacation. You're in Philly, and now you're in New York. So what the heck have you been eating in terms of pastry, which is your specialty, and p- pizza? Um, Yes, I'm a controversial pastry chef in that I don't seek out pastries often. Uh, (laughs) uh, The one thing I like really go for is ice cream, actually. So I have a few like things on my list and also looking for other ice cream tips. Uh, But I like only want like salad and savory food. It's I crave crunchy and salty. But yeah, it is pretty crazy. We're on vacation. We so the restaurant ran without us this past weekend and we've closed it for this week. So everyone gets like a fall break. Training and, wheels went off. And last we don't weekend. have yes. I mean, we love our staff and trust them and they did an amazing job. So but it was still scary, obviously. Yeah. Um, you're three thousand miles away. That's right. There's like, nothing if something goes wrong, I mean, what? We're like, oh, okay. How do you watch <laughs> it, I guess? Are you watching them uh, like with like a camera? <laughs> <laughs> We're not watching them with a camera. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we weird. we can like watch the transactions in real time through our uh uh through Square that we use to process orders. So I I can follow along every transaction and then I'll be like texting someone, oh, you just oversold this piece of cake. We only had 32, you sold 33. And they're like, what? Go away. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you can basically watch yourself make money without even working. Um, Make money, I don't know. But yeah, sort of. <laughs> All right, Do so- we make money, you know? I would like to hear about that. Do you make money? But let's go back to New York. What have you been up to? At least we'll say broadly, um, where have you been uh, dining out? I love uh, to get that take. Um, yes. Yeah, so we, I have a whole like notes schedule in my phone. And I have a few friends who live here who like gave us some advice on where to eat. We just got here on Sunday and we're staying um, on Bowery and Houston at this funny hotel. But mm. um, 
the first thing we did was like put our bags down and go to Scars. Oh, yeah. Aaron's like, we're going right now. We just planned we're going there now. You had not been here in a while? No. Um, the last time we were here was maybe 2015? No. No. That can't be. 2018, something like that. So a lot has changed. Yeah, that Scar's little pocket down there in yeah. uh, kind of Buffer Chinatown is We were going to try to get into Servos tonight, but we'll see. Oh. Is it possible? Well, Dime Square, Cursed Dime Square, I, I don't know. Maybe stay away. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love those restaurants. We're very there. close. So I was like, we can pop in, make our... Put our name on the list and pop out. Servos um, is amazing, by the way. It's yeah. a great restaurant. So I don't mind eating late. I don't mind waiting. I yeah. want to go. Whatever. Um, last night we ate a double double dinner, mm. which is very cool. Um, obviously, <laughs> our trip revolves a lot around eating. Yeah. Uh, so we went to Four Horsemen. Yeah. Which was delectable. I mean, Nick's been on the podcast and James Murphy. Uh, I think episode forty or something. Love that restaurant. It was so good. Like every bite, you know, you're just eating and you're like, this is it's rude, <laughs> a little bit. How was the room? What was it feeling like? What was it? Was it like European tourists or LA tourists like yourself, or was it locals? What no, it looked very locals. Yeah. It kind of, I don't, I don't know if this is like weird to say, but it sort of reminded me of Quarter Sheets in the vibe. Like it was very small, personal. People really like crammed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in LA, a lot of restaurants are giant open spaces, and that's like what LA dining is about, right? Like your patio, it's beautiful weather outside, your cocktails, <laughs> sunshine, and when you come into Quarter Sheets, it's like a uh, dark dungeon hole, yeah, uh, which is very New York feeling to me, yeah. especially like going to eat at Scars in that back room and going to eat at Four Horsemen. It's yeah, Minetta smaller, Tavern, more famously no windows, like those kind of places. Totally, it's like personal. Mm. You feel like you're in someone's house almost. Mm. Um, but it was it was great. And then after that, we actually did go to someone's house. Mm. Um, so we've like become friends with. Brooks Heedley kind of over the years yeah. through the internet. Obviously. And, and now we, similar energies. Similar energies. All, yeah. Aaron and Brooks's like Instagram presences are, you know, like similar soul energies. sisters. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> they really go. So we went to um his friend Chris, who runs Chrissy's pizza out mm-hmm. of his apartment. Cool. And he made us pizza. So we ate a full dinner at Four Horsemen, dessert, had a bottle of wine, and then we picked up a bottle of like Fernet and some beers and went to Chris's house. Oh fun. And had another dinner. Amazing. Yeah. He was like one of my kind of pastry idols. And so it's funny to hang out with him now. And I try not to like fangirl too hard, but it's just fun. I'm like, I have your book. No, Fancy Desserts, right? I love that book. It's an amazing book. I love that book too. And it's very funny is the best part about it. Like, it's funny. Like, you can read it like a zine. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it tells his story. I love that book. But it's it's definitely a classic in in, uh, American pastry Letters. Give me another one. American pastry books that you that you love. I'm I'm just focusing on America because I just think of Brooks. Um. Yeah. I I also love Claudia Fleming's book, which was out of print and just got re released. The last course. So my mom like bought that for me for Christmas a few years ago. She's like, it's a hundred dollars because it was out of print. Yeah. I was like, I need it. I need it now. That's so sweet of your mom to do that. Thanks, and mom. Claudia um, is on the show. Probably gonna run before yours runs, so you can look back at that one and we talk. Oh, really? About it. Absolutely. Her new book is incredible. It's like truly a cla- instant classic. Yeah. Yeah. One last place that you're going to go to. You said you maybe are into ice cream crawling. What What are you thinking about ice cream in New York? There's a little shop in, I want to say it's like in it's in Brooklyn, Malai. Am yeah. I saying it right? Yeah, it's Smith like, Street. I'd like to go there. Yeah. I'm into those flavors. I'm like living Glendale, and I think I'm kind of familiar with some of those flavors from some of the ice cream shops around Definitely. my home. But I don't know. Produced fresh, churned fresh. I think it looks Delicious. But you don't do ice cream. 
Oh, I wish I could. Yeah. I actually have a machine in the garage of our house. Yeah. That I don't, it's probably like crickets living in there now, but um, <laughs> we just don't have the space. Yeah. Although I keep trying to conceptualize how to create the space. That's actually my secret true love. Obviously, I see God ice cream. Yeah. But I love to make it. I love to make, I make really good ice cream and that I can't is like painful to me. All right. So let's talk about what quarter sheets because I want to, for our listeners who um, haven't listened to my intro and haven't you know, been online in the past 18 months. <laughs> what is quarter sheets? Describe what you and Aaron do. Um, quarter sheets, unofficially known as quarter sheets pizza club. Uh, to become a member, you just need to eat there once and there are no benefits. Okay. You, but you can be, anyone can be a member. Do you have a punch card? Uh, no, and there are no benefits. Nothing. <laughs> we just benefit. punch it forever, but you never get anything for free. <laughs> um, so we are a pizza, cake, and wine shop in Echo Park in Los Angeles. We started as a pandemic pop-up um, March 2020 out of our house in Glendale, hoping our landlord wouldn't care or find out. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. She knows now. She's fine. She's fine. She, um, you, you've slid a few pizzas under her door. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so we worked out of our house um, for, I guess, a year and a half before finding this um, spot in Echo Park, which was a sandwich shop that closed. And we, our real estate person, Annie, we love Annie, uh, got us in and we were able to sign this lease. So we... We fixed it up a little bit and then opened in January, and now we're a real restaurant. So the uh, the real restaurant <laughs> um, before that was a was a home restaurant. We're using like a standard rental or own. Yeah, it was actually funny going to Chrissy's last night because he's also baking out of his home oven, and it was very familiar feeling to us. We had a whole system. I mean, we got in so many fights because we were <laughs> fighting over our like one rental oven that came with our property. That's where we baked everything. So I was baking bread in there, like sourdough loaves. I was baking cake. Aaron was baking pizza. There was like the, the cookie shuffle. I would like try to get the cookies in and out before 8 a.m. when he had to preheat the oven for like four hours. Um, really, the only reason we got another oven for the house was that so we could make more because we were yeah. selling out very quickly. I mean, how many pies were you doing in a single oven a day when you're doing just the pop-up? So we started at 25, you know, then 35. Then by the end, I think we were doing... I don't know, 70? Maybe? When you had the two ovens. When we had two ovens. We got a Rothko okay. um, from our neighbors who were uh, regulars. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they had a bread operation in their house and had this Rothko they weren't using anymore. So they sold it to us at a very discounted price. A bread operation in their house. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like doing all this stuff out of their house. But no, they, cool. they, yeah, I mean, that was amazing and really helped us to grow. Did you have a hood? No. Oh my gosh! You baked twenty five pies. No Here's hood. The the rental is set up with the microwave over our home oven. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with so, that setup, which is like the setup of it's most so people. It's so fucked looking now. Like <laughs> the whole thing, like the bottom, like melted off oh, yeah. of it. Like the paint on the wall is like peeling because of just so much heat there. So now that you have your, we're never going to get our deposit back. Yeah, you probably you could buy pay for it back in pizza credits. Yeah. I mean, when you're now that you have a proper space, are you actually turning that oven on? At home. Yeah. No. <laughs> I can't. We don't. No. The Rothko's so sad. We need to like gift it to someone. I else. mean, pay it forward. So um, we don't. We don't cook at home. I mean, why would you have a restaurant now? And so, tell us about the restaurant. Tell me about the restaurant. Like, I, like, is it? Is it like always busy? Because I get a sense from social media. I've not been out there. I've been to LA in a few months, but I and I haven't been able to make it out to your restaurant. Is it? Is it busy? It's busy. Yeah, it's busy. Um, you know, I said we're a real restaurant now, but it's been 
because so we don't have we're not an investor model. We just kind of funded it ourselves. So in order to do some of the stuff we needed, the changes we needed to make, we had to open because we needed to keep making money. So we opened in January because we needed to sell Mm -hmm. pizza so that we could buy. I don't remember what we were trying to get then. Uh, like build this like one little pony wall to like block the bathroom door. So you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like we started doing a similar takeout operation that we did at our house, where you ordered online and came to pick up, and then every month we added something and changed something until I think now maybe two months we've been like open for fully indoor dining, and when we get back from this trip it'll advance even more where you can sit down and someone comes to your table and takes your order. Wow, you actually have some staff doing and that? And then it's a real, that? I do it and our staff does you it too. So I, I work many positions at that restaurant. Well, we'll have Aaron <laughs> on the show to talk about pizza eventually, but I want to focus on the, the pastry that's happening at Quarter Sheets because clearly just from the response, because I, again, I have not tasted your desserts, but I observe it and I, people I really respect in LA love what you're doing and it's just gorgeous online. And Thank you. I love it. You're welcome. So you've called your dessert intellectual comfort food, which I think is cool. And I want to like give you my reading of that, which makes me think that it's invention slash ingenuity, but actually tastes extremely good. Like it's, it's not like, it's not like oat cuisine for oat's sake. Can you say oat's sake? I think for oat's sake for makes oat's sense sake. in this context. <laughs> um, it's like hyper creative cake. So like, is that what you mean, or am I like totally? T- am I f- going um, to- off? Track? First of all, I have to give a shout out to my friend Adam Abada's mom, who actually was ate the desserts a long time ago when I was working at a restaurant, and said that she goes, "Oh, your desserts are intellectual comfort food," and I was like, "Oh, so good." She worked in advertising for oh, years, so of course, definitely, she had that tagline for me. She's like selling Nabisco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think to me, what it means is that I sort of hate this expression, but I'm not trying to like reinvent the wheel, right? I think that dessert is meant to be about pleasure and nostalgia. Pe- uh, how do I want to say it? Some folks like lean too heavily on the elements that you know make it disgusting in a good way, but too much sugar, too much dairy, like too much everything without like, I don't know. You have to make it part of the meal. Okay, what am I trying to say? No, so I, into, I like, like it's nostalgic and I'm I'm making strawberry shortcake, right? And I'm not, there's nothing wrong with strawberry shortcake. It's a perfect dessert. But we can play with the elements a little to, I mean, we're going to talk about Courtney from Bar 13 mm-hmm. later, but it's about layering flavor and taking something that's keeping it looking and eating simple, but challenging people a little in terms of like the flavor profiles that they're eating. So instead of just strawberries and whipped cream, maybe we're going to, I don't know, I like infuse the cream with bay leaf or tonka bean or something that adds this depth tonka of which i just used for the first time really tonka was a hot ingredient like a decade ago i know and i never i just like ordered a little packet of it i was like okay why not okay so i'm getting a sense and emily wilson who wrote a profile view on taste and then elizabeth barbanel my colleague both have had your pastry in la and and they've said it it's leaned into the savory side like it's been less sweet and i think i'm getting that from this conversation is that you aren't hitting us over the head with overly sweet, overly sugared desserts. And I think that part of that, I'm a pastry chef that doesn't like dessert. Yeah. I like it sometimes, but what I crave is something that's like lightly sweet. I'll often just eat a piece of chocolate, which is sort of like, well, of course. But um, I want, I just, and now I have 
all the power. <laughs> so I can just make exactly what I want to eat. And I think people respond really well to that. And I think a lot I get what I hear often is people saying, I don't like cake usually. But that's because the cake we all grew up with is like just cloying, sweet, so much buttercream, those like flowers, you know, the piped buttercream. It's just there's yeah. no dimension to no. it. No. And and like some people just thrive on those types of cakes. Of like, course. And some people love them. And that yeah. is fine. No, like, totally. You're not please go eat the cake. I'm not getting judgmental <laughs> vibes from you, which I think is cool. Um, I have to ask you about the pairing of pizza and dessert. Uh, plated desserts, cakes mostly. You serve mostly cake, right? Uh, I've started branching out a little bit, but basically, I mean, the, the reason I went into cake, and I, I'm historically a restaurant pastry chef, yeah. so is is because it had to be boxed to go, right? I couldn't take the time to like plate a dessert and put a canal of ice cream on mm-hmm. it and send it out the door. It just needed to be something that you cut with a fork down and you get every element of that dessert as if it's a plated dessert, but it's ready to go. Yeah. Out the door. Just like pizza, right? It's in a box. You take it, go. So you're feeling it's more of just the concept of the restaurant versus the actual foodstuffs pairing together. Uh, I mean, it is historically a pairing, right? Like every child's birthday party. If you're party. like six years if old. If you're I'm six saying. years old. But speaking of nostalgia, yeah. um, we it's like you get to be the adult at the birthday party now. And you can have wine with your pizza and cake. And it's a party every day. No, absolutely. You, you avoid buttercream, right? With a lot of your desserts? I don't use it unless I'm doing whole cakes. And I use it only on the very outside of the cake. Yeah. So I like figured out a way to build. I build all the cakes and whole cakes, like custom cakes, in springform pans, so that I can fill fill the cake with, you know, lemon curd or mm-hmm. a diplomat cream, Bavarian, whatever. And that goes all the way out to the edge of the cake. So I don't like to do that. The dam is what we call it. Yeah. The dam of buttercream around, and then you put your curd inside instead. I just want it on the very, very outside. I get it. As little as possible yeah. and as salty and olive oily as possible. Which too. is why, which is again that savory flavor profile. What are some other uh, cakes that you've been serving recently? Because I think we want to, you know, let's, let, our listeners want to hear what you've been making. I guess this was sort of fun, but we, some of our staff, um, it was like late at night and someone's like, I'm going to a birthday party right now. Like, do you have anything I can take? And we kind of went through the scraps in the freezer of various things I had and made a dirt cake, which is. Oh. The most nostalgic. And I just did it in like a pie tin, scraps of cake, chocolate pudding, whatever. And we were all, they took it to the party. It was like a huge hit. And then I was like, well, why can't we make a dirt cake, slab cake? And this is sort of like leaning into kitschy territory, but we try to keep it elevated flavors. Did you have so. elevated gummy worms in there? Oh, we, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I ran out because it's not citrus season anymore. So I was using candied Seville orange peel on top yeah. that looked like the worms and then sure. decorating with all my fresh florals on top. But Fun. that's... That cake is something that we do maybe like once a month now, and it's the last variation we did was it's chocolate chiffon with a vanilla bean like soak on it, and then uh, this beautiful pluot jam, um, which is kind of an unexpected pairing like chocolate and plum, but it just mm-hmm. works. It's it sounds ambitious to do those two flavors together. Yeah, but you're leaning into obviously southern. I was California. like, why not? Yeah, I mean, I had them. I have plums. Like, there's something. Some people are like, no chocolate and fruit, never, but. You can throw anything in there. So that one was really delicious with like a chocolate diplomat um, and crunchy Oreo, like Oreo sable. <laughs> oh, but what do you think about passion fruit and chocolate? Shout out to Pichayang uh, Spice Market 2004. Uh, yes, I've done passion fruit in the dirt cake. I think it's really fun. I, when I do that one, I like to make 
Wolfgang puck jokes because I feel like that's a very like Wolfgang 80s pairing, you it know? It's definitely more Wolfgang too, like, yeah. Definitely. I always put a mint leaf on that one. Oh, love it. Just because Wolfgang would. Has the wolf visited you at, four, at quarter sheets? <laughs> oh, no. But you know who did? Alice Waters, which was really weird. Okay. <laughs> I was going to ask you about this about because I want to get into your, your history in San Francisco. You have a deep history cooking in San Francisco, but you interned at Chez Panisse. Yeah. So, okay. Did Alice, were you like tight with Alice? No. Did but the, she the even reason, remember who you were? No. The reason that Alice came in is because her daughter lives around the corner and does eat the pizza and cake often. Because she's, she's cool. She's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> Alice is cool. Yeah. But it's like, it was, it was like a weird dream. Like she's sitting at this counter in quarter sheets pizza. We're like playing metal or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, how are you here right now? So, no, I, I reintroduced myself. I was like, hi, I worked for you and I was... 22. So you worked, you were like in the early 2000s, you were an intern at Chez for like three or four months. It in wasn't, 2010, yeah. I'm sorry, I just dated you too long. Why, 2010. Why, why I'm 34. I, why is my timeline messed up? It all well, feels, what is time? What is time, really? the construct? No, no, you're clearly <laughs> in your 30s. I, I just um, want to know, during that three-month period when you're there, what's the story that you tell? I think that I, I tasted many fruits that I didn't know existed for the first oh. time there. And it was, I mean, Chez has access to fruit that no one else can get, and they get the first pick of everything the best because they've been working with farmers the yeah. longest, you know? Um, like Masumoto peaches, you can't get those. You can't get them, mm. but Alice can get them. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first place I ever had a car-car orange. I didn't know yeah. it existed. I only knew about navel oranges. So I went to Berkeley as an English major, and Chez Panisse was around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I like did an urban gardening class and kind of learned about it. And so I wrote a very nice letter the week after I graduated. Somehow my parents like said this was okay. And so they were like, oh, just graduated from Berkeley. Go oh. be a chef. Wow. Go on. Cool parents. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I didn't go to culinary school. So it mm. kind of was like free culinary school. Yeah. Free labor for them. Yeah. Free school for me. I think a fair exchange. Um, so it was mostly just I learned the most important things I took away. Yes, was like my reliance on produce now is a direct line from Chez Panisse. That's how I create a menu. It's mm-hmm. always highly seasonal. I think most people function this way now. But but you were in California for all of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never lived anywhere else. So that's you know cooking by the seasons and the produce is a different. Yes, we're very spoiled. Very very spoiled. You say that with sincerity. I like that. It's I, true. I mean, we have strawberries from February to November. Yeah. There's and no, then I'm like looking at my friends in New Orleans, and they're like, "Oh, strawberry season's done in like July." I'm like, "What?" It's a strange thing. <laughs> what you are you around. gonna do? I know. Well, you're gonna dial up your guy. And, Potatoes? Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, back to Alice, when she was sitting at the counter and you're talking to her and reintroducing yourself, what was that exchange like? Did she, did you tell her about this story about being in a freshman, or sorry, an English major at Berkeley? I didn't want to bother her too much, but I did reintroduce myself. Actually, the best part of this story is like Aaron, <laughs> Aaron like takes this pizza out to them that they're eating and he like, <laughs> he like tried to make it farmy. I don't know. He was like, and we have like... Do not believe tomatoes, whatever, whatever. And Alice looks at Fanny, her daughter, and she goes, I'm hungry. Oh, <laughs> and Aaron's like, oh, <laughs> leave you alone oh now. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. Just like no one wants to hear about where the tomato no. on the pizza comes from. Aaron, go away. <laughs> Particularly Alice Waters, who gets this like stump speech every freaking I know. I, like she never gets to go anywhere. It's got, she's a celebrity, right? 
but it yeah. was really cute. We were both very nervous, and she was super nice. I love that. I love that story. And and let's go back to San Francisco. Bar Tartine, you worked there, and I think that, it seems, was a, you know, a foundational moment in your career working there. So talk about that a bit. I like to—I feel like I'm a direct result of my time at Bar Tartine and Chez Panisse, like, combined. Mm. Um, and it's funny because, at, you know, Court, Courtney is a super smart, amazing chef— who like didn't ever want to be called a pastry chef, mm-hmm. even though that was her role at that restaurant. She is a classic example of a pastry chef who does not like sweets and dessert. Hmm. And and those desserts would go so far savory sometimes that they arguably like weren't dessert anymore, which I always found to be fun and challenging and interesting. Mm-hmm. And people, it they were divisive for sure. But she really kind of taught me to think outside the box and challenged my notions of what dessert could be and what those dessert elements could be. Even if we disagreed about something, I think at the time she was like, no, vanilla. we weren't using any vanilla and we were using any chocolate. So what were you supplementing in there instead? Uh, we used carob. Yeah. Which like I'm not using carob. I use chocolate <laughs> yeah. now because it's delicious. And I actually love vanilla. It's one of my favorite yeah. flavors. But I think that vanilla can function as kind of a, a crutch. And you look at a baking book and all of these recipes, it's like a quarter teaspoon of vanilla, teaspoon of vanilla. It's just mm-hmm. like kind of thoughtlessly thrown in a lot. And it's such a special flavor that deserves its time to shine. I don't know. If you're going to use it, like it should be a forward flavor. So I, I actually don't even use vanilla in chocolate chip cookies, which oh, I, interesting. Feel, I feel like, oh, I, I use a little bit of oat flour instead because I think that that like oatiness mm-hmm. kind of hits the same note as vanilla. And it's not you could you don't know what you're tasting, but there's something there. That's not vanilla. Like, I just don't want to waste the vanilla. It's so expensive. Yeah, I mean, because you're using the good stuff. You're not using the McCormick extract that, you you know, we assume, you know, every home baker uses. But yeah. you're using the good stuff. The and, good stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to know about San Francisco in general. Um, you know, working there as a professional, did you feel you were there at a cool moment? Was there a lot happening? Because I feel like yeah. this, historically you were there at a cool moment. I was there at a cool moment. Um, I was there at a very cool moment. Maybe it was like all the folks who had worked at, for Alice, a lot of them did work for Alice, had opened their own restaurants. And so, you know, you had, uh, we worked for Michael Tusk, who was Alice's chef. And then, I, I can't remember, like, tra- like well, Charlie's canceled now, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, uh, we go, ah, eh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, but he was running Pizzaiolo and Boot and Shoe. Um, damn, I like, can't remember anyone's name. It's okay. But, I mean, there, I, I think there's a lot of men that I'm naming. I guess that's kind of a problem. But um, I, I put you on the spot. It's hard to say. Like, you, name your friends in San Francisco. Wasn't but it's to true. Do that, I but. mean, they all kind of work, worked for her and then branched out and opened their own restaurants. So I got to choose from these amazing people, you know, who had worked for her, opened their own thing. Kind of, I think that Chez Panisse is iconic. They were able to take the, the base mm-hmm. of what makes Chez Panisse special and then change it, alter it, whereas Chez Panisse can only ever kind of be Chez Panisse. I mean, the menu format is pretty static. Pretty static. And instead, you know, these people were able to find, have access to that amazing produce, but these chefs, but change it and make it work for them. And I guess my my question was leading towards your move to Los Angeles because it seems like San Francisco is a little tougher these days to run a restaurant and you might not be able to run a pop-up out of your your home as easily as Los Angeles. Oh, no. Well, we lived in a a basement in the Mission. It was, like, down these scary steps. Mm -hmm. Um, Aaron and I lived there. There were, like, no windows uh, except in our room in the very back, which looked over the garden, which was sort of nice. But, no, I mean, I hated that. 
yeah. apartment. I hated it. There was nowhere else to move. Sure. It's very expensive, although everything is now. But I'm from Los Angeles, and I'd been wanting to go back. <laughs> I maybe fibbed <laughs> uh, to Aaron a little bit. I was like, we could go to L.A. We're going to—the rent's going to be half as much, and we're going to have twice as much space. And one of those <laughs> things is true. We do have twice as much space, but <laughs> the rent is not cheap. Yeah. So we moved down there, I think, a few years too late eh. in a way. We moved down in 2018. Um, and you took a job downtown. You're 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 opening pastry chef. I didn't mean to. Okay, what do you mean by that? You were you had other to, plans. I meant to quit everything. This yeah. Career. Oh. I was like finished. I was feeling finished. What were you gonna do? I don't know. I've never done anything. This is I've only ever worked in restaurants ever, except when I was 15. I worked at a tanning salon. Um, mm. <laughs> did you participate? I did. So you, I did participate. Yeah. Um, Oh, so you had unlimited free tanning. I, I had unlimited free tanning, and so did all of my friends who I would, like, put one million hours in their account, you know? It like, sounds healthy. It was fine. We, we didn't go overboard. We were okay. just some slightly tanned 15-year-olds. Base, base coat yeah. more, more than anything. Okay. Um, so I didn't have a plan. I was just feeling kind of burnt out. And I, I wasn't finding San Francisco as kind of inspiring mm-hmm. anymore. A lot of my friends had already moved away. Yeah. Um, there really wasn't anywhere that I was dying to work. I just wanted to move. I was cold. It's very cold. Not to, I know we're in New York now, and I'm like, I was cold. And I mean, on the San Francisco <laughs> side, it's freaking cold, man. It's always like surprise cold. It's warm Ugh. and then suddenly cold. Yeah. I, so. I love I love LA, and I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you did take this job. I took this job. I went down, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I was going to do. I took a... A job as a server, oh, um, which I actually really enjoy, enjoy sure. doing. But I was like, I just need money, and um, did that for a little. And then Melissa Perello, who is a San Francisco chef that I didn't have a chance to work for in San mm-hmm. Francisco, decided to open a restaurant in LA, and we were connected through mutual friends. So I thought, okay, this is like, I'll try. I've never opened a restaurant before, so I'll try doing this. And you got really good reviews. And it was, like, really, really on the map. And then it's March 2020 before you know it. Yeah, we, like, opened at a not a good time. Yeah. Um, I think that it probably would have done well. Yeah. But I guess everything happens for a reason or something. And I wouldn't have been able to, like, the reason I started doing this and that led to Quarter Sheets was because M. Regina closed and Melissa, like, sent me home with, we lived like kings for the first two weeks. It was amazing. We like had ribeye and like baked cl- yeah. like all the food from the restaurant that came to my house. And I was like, <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. Um, and, but then the the reality sets in. You need you still have to pay your rent. You still have to pay your rent. Um, so I, I also was just kind of bored. And I think like baking was my main hobby right before it became my job. And I, I f- started finding like joy in it again. Cool. Um, Not corny. No, I no, mean, I, it, I really, I was at home and I, I was like, hmm, what are we going to do today? And I was like, I'm going to make croissants. And I just haven't done that in so long where I just woke up and I felt I want to try this new thing today, make this new thing today. And I started doing it. And croissants, I was like, no sheeter? Did you have a sheeter? No, I just, just did, did it. it. They were pretty good. I'm sure they know. were pretty good. Yo. Um, <laughs> um, we talked. But about then the- I was like, I'm not doing this again. But it was good to do it once you mean not work at, <laughs> at a restaurant home. no at home making croissants oh i see one time Sorry. that was a one-time project but you're, you end up opening quarter sheets which is really humming along right now um, that's the opposite of quitting the restaurant in- industry is. is opening a restaurant i was like <laughs> oh i'm gonna go do something else no i'm gonna do this <laughs> but you feel 
pretty settled now. I mean, you, you get to go on vacation. I mean, it's not, it can like, yeah. it can Thank operate. Thank you to our staff. Thank no, you. absolutely. Show um, us your staff. Uh, I feel settled and I think that the part that was missing for me from just being a pastry chef for someone else, I, I what I really enjoy now is like the kind of business aspects of it. And I feel like my brain gets a little more exercise. It's mm-hmm. also very stressful, but it's more interesting. I don't know. There's just so much more to it. And I also feel like I was prepared in a way, like watching Melissa open M. Georgina and kind of like yeah. sitting in on these very long meetings about who, how we <laughs> how we show that the water is still or sparkling. I was like, can I go? Do I have to be here for this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but still, like every detail like that matters. And it, I feel lucky that I was able to witness that before I, I started my own. And then I had all these documents in place, too, about the purveyors we needed to. I had all that stuff from M. Georgina already. You, so. already. you already knew the kind of back office stuff. And let me, you you hit the the LA Times. Like Bill Addison wrote about you and wrote about pizza and made a list of LA pizza. And you were. Hell the, yeah, number two. Yeah, right. That must feel <laughs> awesome to be number two. I love to be number two. Number I don't want to be number one. Nah. <laughs> it, it's not. Nah, no one wants to be number one. But uh, did business change after that? I, I asked this question because, like, does the L.A. Times, does it matter? I mean, does that media placement actually put you on a certain map? Or you were so uh, commanding um, on social media that it seemed maybe irrelevant. It's always nice to be acknowledged. Absolutely. Bill is lovely. I love Bill. Um, Bill is a friend. Love Bill. And um, I, it's we notice different things from different publications. Um and that's always interesting. I find that when the LA Times, this last time when that list came out, this is a perfect example. Um, that list came out and the day after this amazing um, couple, maybe in their late 60s, came in with a clipping they had them. cut out and they brought it to I us as a gift. Oh, they're so nice. It was so nice. And then they were there right when we were closing and they were the last two people there and they were just so excited. They were talking to Aaron about his record player and his cassette tapes mm-hmm. and they saw it in the LA Times. That's why they were there. And then they stood up and started dancing. What was the music on? It's so really sweet. What's What, what are you playing right these days? Oh, he was playing, I want to say it was like Brazilian I don't. I don't even. He's, Samba he's way more advanced than me. You'll okay. have to ask Aaron about his music. Is there like a go-to cassette that you pop in? We have so many. He has like a hundred. Oh, cool. He has a lot. You're an analog. It sounds like an analog yeah. shop. We have all three. Obviously, we use Spotify just yeah. like everyone else. But if he has the time, he's like out there fully DJing the experience. But he has really eclectic and wonderful taste. So it can be anything. You know, like garage, mm-hmm. punk to Brazilian jazz to. Ethiopian rock. It's it's everything. Sounds like a fun place. Two two questions together. The Beach Boys. Yeah. Can you <laughs> celebrate at the end of a shift in a way? Do you, do you have a ritual or do you get to give yourself a break? And also, do you do anything outside of pizza and pastry as a couple? Because <laughs> you're running this with your, your partner. Yeah. Um, my hobby is payroll. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that takes a lot of my time. But um, we like to go outside. Is that a lame answer? We like to go outside. That is my hobby, is going outside whenever I can. And I think that part of this New York vacation, I mentioned this to you already, but it's just being able to walk around outside all day and the weather is like so perfect. Yeah. It's so nice. It was so hot in LA right before we oh left. Oh my God, we're recording this in late September and it's beautiful in New York. Right and now. in LA, it was like 105 every day for like three weeks. Yeah. Um, terrible, awful hell. Uh, 
end of the shift, what do you do? And I know you're pumping out, you know, a lot of pies. You've finished every one of your plated desserts. Well, how do you celebrate the end of a shift? Um, oh, this is going to sound like so chefy, but I, we go next door to the bar uh, and drink mezcal. Yeah. Uh, so our restaurant's really, really small. We don't have an office, and we have a joke that the bar next door is the office. <laughs> That's fun. I mean, so we just sense. pop over to the office and like drink a mezcal with our favorite bartender, Lindsay, and then um, come back and clean up. Clean up and then start it again. We're, I mean, we're except for this weekend when we when we weren't there, like we're part of the staff, like very much. So. Yeah. It's small. So it's small stuff. Yeah. Quickly, three LA places we need to go when we visit, just real quick. Okay, so almost every Monday we go to San Gabriel Valley and eat Szechuan noodles. Mm-hmm. My favorite place is Chongqing Special Noodle. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh my god, I dream. I'm actually, I actually miss it. Oh my god, that's amazing that you've been gone for like six days. I'm, I'm thinking it. about it. I miss it. I know Szechuan Impressions have been there. Mm-hmm. Chengdu uh, Taste, we there. love. Mian is really good. Cool. But the noodles, the hand-pulled Chongqing special noodle, the signature dish, the eponymous dish, yeah. um, I, I dream I dream of it. It's, On the list. Give me so another good. couple. Uh, Ototo, yeah. which is a restaurant just down the street from us um, that we hadn't gone to until we opened Quarter Sheets. And they're open an hour later than us. So we go there, t- we go there too much. We go too much. But mm-hmm. um, sometimes we go like twice a week. Is it like omakase? Uh, or it's can not, be if you it's want. Not, it's not. It's like... They don't. It's Japanese other food. Oh, okay. I, I don't izakaya. know how to describe. Yeah, izakaya. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, absolutely delicious. They're so nice, so hospitable. Yeah. What's the third? Uh, we go to Pie and Burger in Pasadena. Yeah. We love like an old. Before Aaron was a pizza cook, he was a burger cook. Oh, cool. So that was a pop up we did in San Francisco. Oh. Gold brick. Oh, cool. Burgers. I don't know that one. Um. Oh. And so we go there, and Aaron gets a burger with everything and grilled onions, and I get a BLT or a tuna melt. And we have French fries and root beer and, like, the little plastic or the little paper cone Mm -hmm. cups. That's what I would recommend. I feel like we're not, like, when people come, I'm always worried that my recommendations aren't restaurant-y enough. But I just want what I want. Those are perfect. Those are local spots. Um, Listen, what's up with the celebrities that are coming in? You got to name drop a few. I mean, it's it's <laughs> this is a safe space. Uh, uh, our favorite that we reference often was cousin Greg from Succession. <laughs> Dude is everywhere. He's really everywhere. He, he's an investor in restaurants. I know. I didn't know until I was after I was like, I, he's just so tall and like yeah. recognizable, and yeah. you can hear his voice, and you're like, cousin Greg, what? Did are you, you doing did here? you did you slide him a deck like an investor deck? Oh, uh, no. No. I don't. I'm from LA. I don't like to bother people. I'm, I know. I feel like you. You're raised. I think it's the same in New York. But you have to see people and then act like you didn't see them. You know. No. Nah. We're we're reclaiming the ability to um, <laughs> say the celebrities that come to a restaurant. Give me one more. There's uh, got to be one other cool celebrity. Um, Alice Waters. No. Uh, so we actually <laughs> have been getting a lot of SNL cast members coming through. Huh. Who I like recognize, and I'm like, how do I? And then I'm like, oh, you're on SNL. Ah. So there must be some thing they're talking to each other do you know what i mean well you know we're recording this the week snl uh is debuting are you are you doing like the the rap party is this like a <laughs> yeah. secret quarter sheets is here to cater the snl rap party <laughs> we can't do any catering because all of our equipment <laughs> is these giant pans yeah oh, and right. so it's like we can't everyone's like do you cater we're like we no delta won't let you we can't that's that. why you got to open the round pizza shop yeah. the round pizza shop you can cater with rounds 
Chloe Feynman. She's one of them. I'm just gu- I'm guessing. She's actually a friend of ours. Uh, uh, I just she, guessed she that. Did, she her boyfriend is um, a guy that I've went to high school with. Oh, cool. And he's a writer on SNL. Organic. Yeah. That, oh, you have a right. So you have friends who are writers. Oh, I guess. I wonder. That's if, I wonder if Jake like told people. Oh, that's funny. I mean, he's a friend of yours. He's like big up in his buddies, and those guys are okay. The f- I, theory. I made, I made Chloe's birthday cake a little maybe during the pandemic last, so it would have been like in 2021. I did. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Mandy Moore ordered a cake for me, and it was so exciting because I sing Candy as like one of my karaoke songs. I've done that song karaoke. It's I know so that song. It is her best song. It is. Definitely. I saw that her play that song opening for the Backstreet Boys in Madison, Wisconsin at the Cole Center in 1999. Okay, that literally sounds magical. I know. I it know. was a really good moment. What a concert. Wow. It was a great concert. I think she was 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Um, what was her order? She ordered a princess cake. Which is one of your mm-hmm. classics. Signature items, I guess. <laughs> Where are you in a year from now? Um, I just like segued into like. Where am I question. in a year from now? No, where are I, you a year from now? I need a uh, space. I need more space. So we, it's a very small shop. But we just have a kitchen and a dining room, and so we've already started. I like in order to make more cake, we sell out every day. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't want to sell out. No, I want everyone to eat cake. I just yeah. can't. It's really cr- people are. Aaron calls them cake freaks. Let them lovingly called cake freaks, but people come every single week, sometimes them, twice a week. Yeah, let them, let them eat the cake. Thank you for. I finish. want them to eat it. They must have it. So we're kind of looking. We're open. We're not looking, but we're open to the possibility of finding a commissary space where we can make more of everything. Yeah, commissary is the answer. You have a cool broker. It sounds like yes. Like. Shout out your broker. Yes, Annie. Oh, Annie. The best. Um, Hannah, we asked all guests on the Taste Podcast, if there was a dream food, book, or cookbook project that you could work on without the burden of time or budget, what would that be? I think that I was very inspired by Beatrix Bake's book. What I like to say and when I train new staff is that like you have to know the rules and then you can break them. And I think the way I make cake breaks a lot of cake rules. Yeah. But I want people to feel empowered to break the rules. And the reason I love that cookbook is because each recipe she writes, there's like a variation on it. There's like a little wheel. And then it shows all the different things you can do with this like one base recipe. Yeah. If you don't have apricots and you only have plums, you could add this and this, you know. So all you need are those base things. And then the possibilities are endless. Yeah, that book is great. It's uh, Beatrix Bakes. Um, an amazing book. Australian pastry chef with a cool book. We've written about it. So have you actually thought about writing a cookbook? Are you? Is it in your plans? I definitely would. Cool. I, I think I could. I think I have. I think, you know, all recipes are derivative in a good way. It's just yeah. like no one's reinventing anything. But again, knowing the rules and then breaking them. Yeah. I think that a cake book that's not about making cakes in a classic way, but yeah. kind of making them in a kooky way. Hannah Ziskin, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Yay. Have a good day. The Taste Podcast is hosted by me, Matt Rodbard. It's produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>